Last week, we started a stewardship series. By the way, I want to point out these posters real quick again. These are marquees like you normally see at a, like a movie theater. We're trying to get some ideas on that to get you, draw your attention to them. So I hope they did, and they're not part of the normal decor here. We have them here for the month of uh, January. And at the end of this month, last Sunday, we're going to do a sign-up for uh, our Life Together groups. If you're not part of one, this is the month to sign up. If you are already part of one, sign up again, okay, so that we can get a record of, of your uh, involvement and your continued involvement with it. And so get a pen and write on the piece of paper, not on the wall, but on the piece of paper that's there, and sign your name up on these different ones, and uh, we'll be happy to then contact you and tell you some more details about it as we go along, okay? So, man, this is great for you here on Sunday morning, but we also have some great times of fellowship, discipleship, and service, and different things like that as we go through our weeks and months together, and uh, that'll help you to roll up your sleeves and get more uh, engaged, more involved, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning in our stewardship series that we started last Sunday. We talked about time and how... Uh, how we have all been given 24 hours in any given day and uh, 168 hours in any given week. I guarantee you nobody last week only had 23 hours in any particular day. We all had 24 hours and we all had 168 hours in our weeks. And if you notice that table that I had set up here with the different uh, items, we had the balls, the, the the marbles, we had the water, and some people thought it was tea, it was sand that I put in there, it was not tea or any other sort of, people wanting to drink it, I said, knock yourself out, see what it tastes like, good luck. It was sand, all right? Just like sands of the hourglass, so goes the days of our lives, right? Yeah, and so it was sand sitting in there, and so we talked about the different things about how that plays out, I'm not going to get into it like... Uh, I'm not going to preach my message from last week, but if you want to listen to it, it's on our Facebook Live, on our Facebook page uh, from last week's recording. So I uh, had a lot of people tell me how much they appreciated that and how much that's helped them. And I hope that you've been able to take your 168 hours this week and put Jesus first. Make sure that he's right there in the center, because when you do, he's able to touch everything else that's in your life. And again, I'm not going to preach last week's message, but today we're going to look at our talent. And it's going to be the title of this message, just like last week I titled it uh, Time mis, uh, Mismanagement. Today I want to title this message Talent Misengagement. And you'll see that up on the screen, Talent Misengagement, with a question mark on it because I want us to ask this question in our lives. Are we managing our time well? Are we engaging our talents appropriately? And so that's what we're going to look at today is we're asking ourselves that question. Are we engaging our talents for God or are we misengaging them for ourselves? Everybody has talent. Everybody. And that's what we're going to look at today. In fact, I want to start off by sharing a story with you about four animals that decided that they were going to do something meaningful. They saw a lot of problems in the world, and they decided they were going to organize a school so that they can help train each other to help uh, address some of the problems that were in the world today. So they created an activity curriculum that involved swimming, running, climbing, and flying. An activity curriculum, it was to make it easier, to, to, actually to make it easier for them to administer that curriculum, all the animals took all of those activity 
subjects of swimming, running, climbing, and flying. So the duck, let's talk about the duck for a minute because the duck was excellent in swimming. He just could swim like nobody's business, but he only made passing grades in flying. He just didn't fly that well. He could fly, but not real great. And he was really, really poor at running. I mean, he just he was awful at running. Now, since he was slow at running, he had to kind of drop some of the swimming classes, which he was excellent at at first, uh, but he had to stay after school to practice running just so that he could kind of get better at it. This caused his web feet to be badly worn and blistered. And so but because of that, he became only average in swimming. And, uh, and average, though, was, was acceptable. It was nobody really worried about average except for, of course, the duck. Well, there was the duck, but then there was also the rabbit. And so the rabbit, boy, he started at the top of his class in running. He could run like nobody's business, like the duck could swim like nobody's business. But he developed this nervous twitch in his leg muscles because of so much makeup work in swimming. Rabbit could not swim, and he spent time trying to get better at swimming every day. It took away his abilities, though, to apply to what he was really good at, and that was running. The squirrel was the next one up. The squirrel was excellent in climbing. He could climb a tree faster than any of them, but he encountered constant frustration in flying class because his teacher made him start from the ground instead of up from the treetop down. So he couldn't fly that well. And also he developed cramps from overexertion. So he only got a C in climbing as a result of it and a D in running because of all the different cramps and overexertions and stuff. Now the eagle was the last one that was part of this training and development curriculum. He was really the problem child of the, of the four animals. And really, he, was, he needed to be severely disciplined for being a nonconformist because in climbing classes, he beat every single one of them to the top of the tree, which was good, but he insisted on using his own way to get there. He flew up to the top of the tree instead of climbing. You know, everyone, the point is, is this. You think, well, that's just silly that they would do that. But the point is, is that every one of us has our own giftings and has our own abilities in which we naturally excel. The question is, are we using them appropriately? Now, you may look and around and you may say, based on, for example, on this stage this morning, I can't play an instrument, I can't sing, I can't preach, I can't speak. I'm not good at turning the knobs and having a good ear for audio. I can't really, I'm not good on the computer. I, I, I'm not really an outgoing person, so it's hard for me to be an usher. I, I look around at the different things that are going on, at this, going on here at this church, and I, 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 I just don't know where I fit in. I just don't have much talent. I don't have much, if anything, to offer. And I've heard that many times from many people over the years that I really don't have anything to offer the kingdom of God. And my answer to you is, Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You may not be able to sing, play, preach, usher, audio, video, cook, whatever the case may be, teach. You may not have the usual suspects, talents that churches look for, but you don't, you don't have to be in full-time ministry and you don't have to have these talents in order to be used uh, by the Lord. Uh, each of us has been given all sorts of abilities and what you've been given in your life to do can be used for God's glory. You may say, that's impossible and I'm going to respond to you by saying, I'll prove it. 
Hebrews chapter 11. I don't want you to turn there because I'm just going to go a real quick flyover of Hebrews chapter 11. We know that, many of us, as the faith or the hall of faith chapter. It's where there's a list of people throughout, uh, throughout the centuries in the history of, uh, of, of, you read the Bible, you can read all these different people that showed up at different times in history and they made a difference. They were called the people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And they were used mightily of God in their particular generations, just like God wants to use you mightily in this generation in which you are living. Now, you're going to find, you're going to really strain hard to find any of them that were in full-time ministry on this list. Yet each of them, in their own way, made a difference in their generation. And I want to just encourage you today to hold that aside because God wants to make a difference through you in this generation. Do you hear me today? God wants to make a difference through your talents that he's given you, that he's provided for you to steward. He wants to make a difference through you in this generation. Now, <clears throat> let's go down this list here for just very quickly. We, we, we come across these different people in Hebrews chapter 11. The first one is Abel. Abel was a shepherd. Not in full-time ministry. He was a shepherd. <clears throat> Noah. Noah was a carpenter. Noah was also a shipbuilder. He was really handy with woodworking. Sarah. Sarah was a homemaker. Moses. He was a political leader. Joshua. He was a military leader. Rahab. She was a former prostitute. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, they were all judges, worked in the, in the judicial system. David was a king, so he was a leader. And then Samuel, he was a prophet. Okay, now, out of that whole list, I would argue that only Samuel would be considered a full-time minister. Worked in the church full-time. The rest of these people, they worked their occupations. They, they stepped into what God gave them as a talent. And they gave that talent to the Lord. Because we think, well, Moses, he was used to God. Exactly. But he was not a pastor, a preacher full time. He just said, here I am in my position with my abilities. I, I can't speak very well. I can't. He, he gave a lot of excuses as to why he couldn't do it. But he eventually stepped in and said, here I am, use me. And on and on it goes. God used different people in Hebrews chapter 11 and throughout God's word. Those are just examples. Throughout God's word, God gave talents to different people and used them for his glory because they gave back that gift that God gave them for God's purposes and not their own. So here's the, here's the fact of it, is that whoever you are today, whatever that you do, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a fireman, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a homemaker, whether you're a salesman, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're an electrician, whether you're retired, whether no matter what, God has placed giftings and abilities in you for his glory. God gave them to you to steward for his kingdom. Remember last week we talked about stewardship. Stewardship is not ownership. Remember that story that I told about the pearl of great price last week and how the man that was selling that pearl to the one who was wanting to buy it said, I'll take your money that's in your bank account. I'll take your 
money that's in your pocket. I'll take your home. I'll take your wife. I'll take your kids. I'll take your possessions, everything that's in your home. I'll even take you. It's going to cost you everything that you own and everything that you are. But now, now that you've given it to me, this pearl of great price is now yours, which we know that being Jesus Christ. But now what he's done, he says, now I give it back to you, but only to steward because now I own it. And every time and any time that I need it and any time that I call it up, it's mine to use. But I'm letting you steward it and take care of it. And too often we take the things that God has given us to steward and we take it and think, I own this. This is mine and it's not yours. As you've given yourself to the Lord, you've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, you and I no longer live. Jesus now lives in us and through us. And everything that we are, everything that represents us, everything that we do, everything that is about us belongs to him. And we simply are stewards of that. Let me put it this way. Let me put it another way. God has this particular toolbox. Imagine God's toolbox. I'd love to see those tools, right? How many has ever been in a place where you... Wish you had a tool that you didn't have and you just needed it to, you're trying to repair something, you're trying to create something, and you would, if I just had this particular tool. God has a particular toolbox. And what he's done is he said, I'm going to take this tool right here and I'm going to give that tool to you, Anita. Now, that's an important tool, okay? I need you to just steward that well. Now, here's another tool right here. Now, Don, I'm going to give this tool to you. Out of my toolbox here, I got these important tools. These are all important. They work together. For my glory. And I'm going to distribute those tools out of my toolbox and I'm going to give them to each person individually as I see fit. That's God talking. Now let me just ask you this. You wouldn't use a hammer to cut something, would you? You wouldn't do very well with it. Nor would you use a saw to drive in a nail. But we take that example of the squirrel and the rabbit and the rest of those people and we take the talents and we try to figure out something else to do with it that's not to our best ability each tool that god has given us is designed for a particular purpose and a particular function in our toolbox and also it's in god's toolbox the same way he places tools in our care to use for his glory in the proper way so let me ask you this are you using your talents are you using your gifts in the best way for his glory? Are you engaging your talents for God or are you misengaging them for yourself? Because anytime you take your talents and you engage them for your benefit, for your gain, at the expense and at the rejection of what God wants to do, then you're misapplying and misengaging those talents that God has given you. I want to look at three different people in Colossians chapter 4. A lot of these times when we read in Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, Paul sends like at the end of his writing, at the end of his letter, he'll say, hey, by the way, so-and-so sends you his greetings. Won't you tell so-and-so hello, and I'll be there shortly. You know, those sort of things. He's kind of like little housekeeping sort of things at the end of his letters that he wrote. Same as is here in Colossians chapter 4. And a lot of times when we read these particular um, things that, that, that end these letters, we just kind of gloss over them and say, well, there's those guys, there's those ladies, and he's just kind of, let's just move on to the next, something that's important. But did you know that everything in God's word is important to us? 
Everything you can glean from, you can learn from, you can grow from. And this particular thing is we're going to do as well. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. He's just sending out some final greetings. And there's quite a list of names that Paul mentions. But I want us to focus on three names in two verses. uh, And let's see how they speak to our talents and abilities and how we can either engage them for God or misengage them for ourselves. There's three different people. Luke, very familiar name, wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. Also Demas, D-E-M-A-S. And then finally Archippus. We can call him Archie if you want to, Archie. But Archippus. So Luke, Demas, and Archie. Let's look at Duke. Uh, Luke, rather, the first guy. Let's look at Luke, not Duke, Luke. All right, Luke. Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, says this. Something just very simple and very matter of fact. Our dear friend Luke, the physician, sends his greeting. Now, I'm going to edit that because you can see our... Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. But I'm going to talk about Luke first. So Luke and Demas both send greetings. But our dear friend Luke the doctor sends greetings. We're going to take Demas out for just a second. We're going to talk about him in just a few minutes. So who is Luke? Well, by this particular verse, we see that he's a doctor. He was a physician. He was well-learned. He was well-educated. He was a Gentile. He wasn't, a, he wasn't born a Jew. He was, he was a Gentile, a believer. He was a committed Christian And he was well-loved by others. If we see that verse again, it says, uh, our dear friend Luke. He wasn't just an acquaintance, someone that just in passing, he's our dear friend. He was well-loved. So in that little bit of a verse, you can see he was well-loved. He was a doctor. We know he was a committed Christian based from some other writings and other sorts of uh, aspects of the New Testament that talk about Luke. He was well-educated Gentile. But most importantly, we think, well, good for Luke. But most importantly... Luke was willing to engage his talents for God's glory. If you read the rest of the New Testament where Luke is mentioned, we know that based on scriptures that he traveled with Paul. He traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. He was a great help to Paul, and he was a great help to the rest of the team, I'm sure. I mean, what a blessing it is. Think about it. If you were to go on a missionary tour to a place that doesn't really have a whole lot of medical facilities, wouldn't you want to have a doctor going along with you? Wouldn't that be great? Sure. Or a nurse, somebody who knows what's going on. I know that when we went to, when we went to the uh, Dominican Republic, I mean, Shekinah, it was great to have you there, you and, and, and the rest of the people that were there, but to have that medical knowledge that you had there, and just in case something were to happen, it's just good to know that you want to you know, you want to hold this here, and you want to do this here, and you want to check that there. I mean, have, that's what Luke was doing. You think about, Paul actually had a thorn in his flesh. Remember that thing about Paul said, man, I got this thorn in my side? And no, he really didn't delineate what it was. There's a lot of guesses to what it was. It could have been a person, or it could have been a physical ailment. And if it was a physical ailment, Can you imagine that Luke would have probably been there to say, you know, let's treat that. There's something you can do here to make that not as prominent and such a problem in your life. I'm sure that Luke helped to soothe and treat not only Paul, but the rest of the people that he was on a missionary tour at that time. Luke also, we know, was an author of the book of Luke and Acts. And if you read Luke and Acts, it's very eloquently written. It's it's very skillfully written by someone who is obviously very educated. And so, he he wrote the book of Luke, 
which was the story of Christ, and he also wrote the book of Acts, which was the story of the new birth church in such a way where, I mean, I enjoy all the books of the Bible. I really, if I want to have a good, a good thorough read of something that's really eloquent and take some time, I'll read the book of Luke of the Gospels. If I want to read about the love of Jesus, I'm going to read about, I'm going to read John. If I want to get a quick snapshot, I'll read the book of, of Mark. If I want some more of the Jewish history, I'll read the book of Matthew. But Luke wrote it very eloquently, and, uh, and, and not only that, but he also was there for the birth of the church and wrote the different things that were there. And I, I know I enjoy the book of Luke and the book of Acts. In fact, if you read them together, it's really kind of like one book. You take Luke and Acts and put them together, it flows together seamlessly. So he was a great physician who helped in one of missionary trips and helped out. He also was an excellent author, but he also, if you read about the story of Luke and the life of Luke, he was... He was with Paul to the end of Paul's life, which tells me that he was a loyal and dedicated and trusted companion. He was a friend through thick and thin. And I'll tell you what, those are hard to come by, are they not? Someone who's going to stand with you when the rubber meets the road, when, when the going gets tough, Luke was still there. He did not abandon Paul. Luke was someone that you could count on. Luke was someone who who would stay with you because we know that Luke, his walk, with, his walk with Christ was strong. He was a strong Christian. And Luke gladly engaged his talents and abilities for God's kingdom all the way to the end. So he was a helper. He was, he, through his traveling, he helped. Through his authoring, he witnessed. And through his, through his dependability, he was an unflappable loyal friend. So how many would like to have someone like that hanging out with you, right? And how many wants to be a person like Luke? Someone who is a helper, someone who is not afraid to witness, someone who is dependable and unflappable and loyal to the end, someone who serves Jesus all the way through and gives their talents for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many wants to be that kind of person, right? Yeah. Let's look at Demas now. Because Demas is the contrast to Luke. We see in Colossians 4.14 that Demas also sends his greetings. Luke, our beloved friend, the doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. So obviously at that time, Demas was doing well. He was hanging out with, with Paul. He was hanging out with the rest of the guys, and they were traveling around. Demas was also traveling around. At that time, Demas was traveling with Paul and Luke and the rest of the missionary work, working for the Lord. If you read the book of Philemon, Paul calls, in Phile Paul calls Demas in Philemon a fellow servant. So he was still doing well whenever the book of Philemon was written, or the, the, the letter was written to, to Philemon. Then, here in Ephesians, he also, he sends his greetings, as we just read. But somewhere along the journey, something turns. Because if you read 2 Timothy 4.10, and I'd like for you to put that on the screen, it says in 2 Timothy 4.10, later on in Paul's life and in Demas' life, it says, Demas has deserted me because he loved this world. So here's Demas, a loyal friend who sends his greetings. Here's Demas who was walking alongside Paul and doing ministry with Paul. Here's Demas who could be counted on, who loved Jesus, who was doing what he could to give his gifts for and steward well for the kingdom of God. But somewhere along that part and the time 2 Timothy was written, which was later on in Paul's life, Demas deserted 
the faith. Demas deserted Paul. Demas deserted the things of the Lord because he loved this world. How could someone who had seen so many mighty works and so many miracles and so many revivals and so many transformations and so many healings and so many deliverances and moves of the Holy Spirit end up walking away and abandoning his faith? How could someone go from a fellow servant to a deserter? Paul says it. It says it's because he loved the things of this world more than the things of God. And that's where we need to stop for just a second and say, where are we today in our love for Jesus, in our walk with Christ? Do we love him more than the things of this world or do we love the things of the world more than we love him? You see, Demas was lured away. Demas got a taste of the other side and he chose it over God's ways. Demas engaged his talents and his abilities to further his kingdom rather than God's kingdom. I searched this week on the internet of people and I actually Googled it, specifically singers who grew up in church. And I talked about singers in particular. I mean, there's probably a lot of actors and other people, but I just narrowed it down to singers who had their beginnings in church and they went on to make it big in the music industry, in the secular music industry. Each of these people, they grew up in church. Some of their parents were pastors. Others of them sang in church choirs. They were all exposed to the power and the presence and the purposes and the reality of God and Jesus Christ for their talents. But all of them at particular crossroads made the choice to walk away, just like Demas did, because the love of the world had a greater appeal. Listen to this list and realize the tragedy of their lives. Many have passed away from drug overdoses and excesses in their life. The rest, some of the people in this list also are still alive, but they've lost their way, tragically lost their way, and sadly they're far away from Jesus. Listen to this list and think about these people. They all grew up in church, sang in the choir. Some of them were pastors and had, uh, PKs, uh, they certainly know the reality of Jesus Christ. Whitney Houston, Jessica Simpson, John Legend, Usher, Snoop Dogg, Justin Timberlake, Ed Sheeran, Kate, Katy Perry, Avril Lavigne, Britney Spears, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, Marvin Gaye, Jamie Foxx, and Elvis Presley. We all know these names. We could, figure, we could name songs that they sang, movies that they were in, TV shows, all these different things, right? Top of their game as far as their talents and abilities. I can go on and the list can continue on, but I think you see what I'm talking about. These people all had or have Massive talent. But they all chose to engage what God gave them for their temporary kingdom. Fleeting fame, fleeting wealth, fleeting power, and what a waste it is. They think, and I want you to think about how they could have been such a blessing for God's kingdom. All of that talent that God gave them. 
Out of his toolbox, I'm going to let you give you an opportunity to know how to sing, to know how to play, to write songs, to act, all these different things. God gave them those things. And they could have been such a blessing for God's kingdom if they, if they weren't lured away, just like Demas was. Church, God gives each of us abilities, and God gives each of us natural talents. We're all born with them, and we can either engage them for our benefit or for God's benefit. They can either advance our plan, or they can advance God's plan. They can either have a temporary impact, or they can have an eternal impact. They can either glorify self, or they can glorify God. It's our choice. First uh, John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this. Listen to this today. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, we're all going to live forever, either in a place called hell or a place called heaven. There's no do-overs. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory where you can get it right and, you know, have heaven 1.2.0. We have one life to live, and at the end of our life, when we breathe our last we're either going to spend eternity in heaven or we're going to spend an eternity in hell. Heaven was created for all of us. Hell was created for Satan and his demons. But because and how we, how we look at Jesus and what we do with Jesus is going to determine how we're going to spend all of eternity. If we choose Jesus... And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Then we give our time and talent and treasure to Him for the rest of our life. There's a place called heaven waiting for us. Man, if we, if we, if we, if we do the opposite and we say, you know, Jesus, I'm sure He's a good guy. And yeah, I even believe that Jesus is God's Son. But I'm going to take these talents, this time, and this treasure and do it for my kingdom. And we reject Jesus. We don't want anything to do with him. He's a good guy. He's good for other people, but not for me. When we breathe our last, we're going to go to the place that was prepared for Satan and his demons, but because you rejected Jesus, you will go to hell as well. And that's not a God of hate. We serve a God of love, and God loves us so much that he gave us his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not go to hell, would not perish, but have eternal life, just like we read. So where's the crux of this thing? Let's not love the world. Let's not love the things of this world. You see, this, this passage really boils down, boils down to it this way. It's, it's if you love the world's system, if you love the things of this world, then you don't love God. That is harsh. That is hard. But aren't you glad that it's black and white? I mean, there's no dancing around this. There's no trying to figure out what does he mean by that. You know exactly what he means by that. It continues on in James 4.4. 4. Another passage says this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world becomes an enemy of God. How many wants to be an enemy of God? Amen? Praise God. Anybody? Yeah? Nobody wants to be an enemy of God. And yet, 
When we love the things of this world and we embrace them and we go after them and we pursue them and we live them out, and that becomes our life and our passion and our all, we become an enemy of God. And you do not want to be an enemy of God. Read the Bible and find out what happens to those people. Well, I'm not an enemy of God. I mean, I think Jesus is a pretty cool guy, and I believe in God. Good for you. The demons believe in God, but they're not going to heaven, and they're certainly not serving Jesus. Satan knows that Jesus is God's son. Satan believes in God. Satan believes in Jesus, but he's not serving him. He's all about fanning into flame the things of this world and presenting them to you, and he's going to take your talent, whatever it is, and I use some singers as an example, but he's going to take your talent, whatever it is, you think about what it is that you're naturally good at. He's going to take that talent and say, how about taking that and using it for your glory? Don't use it for God's glory. It's kind of hard to figure out how to do that anyway, because it's kind of, how do you, how do you take your, if you're an electrician, if you're, if you're a doctor, if you're a, if you're a teacher, how do you take that if you're a homemaker? How do you, there's a way to do it. I just read to you, listen, Hebrews chapter 11, God can take that talent, you can use it for God's glory, but he can also, Satan, what he can do is he presents it in front of you, he says, now you can take that talent that you have, and boy, you can make some money, you can get some position, you can get some fame, you can get some notoriety, you're going to get a lot of likes on your Facebook page and Instagram, because good job, and it's all for you, and nothing for God. We either put God First, in the jar of our lives, like last week, and then all the rest of that stuff surrounds it, or we do everything else first, and then we might have room for God, but usually we don't. Really what this speaks to today is our heart. Everything that Jesus deals with us about is always a matter of the heart. Always. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart also be. So Jesus is asking you and I today, do you love the things of this world more than God? Now, that's a question for each of us to ask individually. Do I love the things of this world that are fleeting, that are corroding, that are passing away, that are undependable, sinking sand, unpredictable, or... Do I love the things that are eternal, the things of God's kingdom, the things that I know will last, the things that are dependable, the things that are righteous and true and holy and pure and everlasting? I'm not sure which trap Demas fell into, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are three traps that we can fall into easily if we're not careful. But church, you can't love the world and love God at the same time. You can't have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. It, it's impossible. I, I just Try standing up in two canoes in the lake and see what happens. One leg here, one leg here. See what happens. I hope you're limber. Demas sadly threw away his opportunity to make an eternal difference for God because he took his eyes off of Jesus. He wasted his life. I don't want to be an asterisk in God's uh, record book and say, Demas left, Brian left, Brian 
took off this way because he loved the world too much. I don't want to be that person. I want to be like Luke, who made it all the way to the end, who finished strong. How about you today? Don't be a little asterisk in the, in the, in the history of, of God's kingdom and be one of those people who say, so-and-so, fill in your name, abandoned me and deserted me because they loved this world more than they loved me. Don't be that person. Don't be Demas. Start off strong Continue strong, finish strong. And here's the third person that I want us to look at this morning with that in mind, Archippus, Archie. Let me encourage you today to be like Luke and not like Demas. Love and embrace God. Don't love and embrace the world. The world's going to fade. The things of God will last forever. So as we choose God and as we... As we choose to live our lives like Luke and give our talents to God, let's look at one more person. His name is Archippus, Colossians 4.17. Another part of this ending greetings uh, at the end of Colossians, the letter. See to it, he's telling Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Simply put this. Complete the ministry God has given you. This is for you today. Write this down if you're taking notes. Complete the ministry God has given me. Write that down and say, I will complete the ministry that God has given me. Just write that down. Whatever that is. Well, pastor, I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. You have talents for God's glory. And that talent is a ministry for people for God's glory. Whatever that looks like. It's not for your benefit, but it's for God's benefit. Make your life count for Jesus today. Take the talents, take the abilities that God has gifted you out of his toolbox, and with those, engage them for God's kingdom all the way, every day, with all your heart. That's the only way to live. Point people to Jesus with your talents. Influence others for God with your abilities that's, what God's, that's why God has given you those talents and abilities. It's for his glory, not yours. I want to look at real quick four reasons for our talent. I want you to turn to one more scripture today as I begin to wind this down. Four reasons for our talents. And by the way, you're going to see that all four of these, none are for our benefit. All are for God's kingdom. And this is something, I didn't write this down. This is Ephesians, again, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Just, just the, the, uh, another letter that, that Paul wrote. And this is some instructions. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we've all reached the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's four things here that I want to point out. Write these down. First, we are called to prepare the church for works of service. If you look at verse 11, it says that we are to prepare the church for works of service. Write that down. We're to prepare the church for works of service. I Say this, I am prepared. Say all this together. Say, I am prepared for works of service. 
Right. All of us are to do something. What is service? Service is simply there's a lot of work to do out there, is there not? There's a whole lot of work to do out there. And instead of us sitting back and saying, I wish somebody would do such and such. Well, guess who somebody is? Say, I'm somebody. I am somebody. Yeah, you are the somebody that God has called you to be for that particular purpose. The harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. Our gifts are given to us to make a difference inside the church and outside of the church for works of service. That's why you've been given your gifts and talents for works of service. Not to sit on them, not to store them away, not to squander them for your own purposes, but for works of service for God. So let me ask you, what gift do you have that can, get, that can promote works of service for God's kingdom? What is the gift that God has given you and how can you use it for works of service for him? Here's the second thing. In verse 13, it says that we're called to cultivate unity in the church. Now, Satan would love to divide families, churches, we see it happening. It's happening in our nation. It's happening in the world. Men versus women, black versus white, Democrats, Republicans, rich and poor, you name it. Satan loves to steal, kill, and destroy. He divides and conquers. He divides. That's what he does. And he's good at it. But we need to be aware of what's going on. and Say, wait a minute. I have been given a gift and part of what my job to do in that gift, that talent that God has given me to steward, is I am to cultivate unity. When you think about cultivating, I think about like, you know, when you're um, a farmer and you're plowing a field and you're cultivating maybe a row and you're, plant, you're, you're digging the dirt up and making it nice and ready, putting some fertilizer in there, putting some seeds down in there, and then you're going to water it. You pl- cover the seeds back up, and you're going to water it, nurture it. You're going to cultivate it because you want to see a good harvest of what it is that you're tending to there, right? Cultivating unity is the same way. God gives us the ability to cultivate and guard the unity of the church so that we can be the most potent for God's kingdom. If you divide a family, if you divide a nation, if you divide a church, that family, that nation, that church will be severely limited in its ability to be effective. But a unified church is a powerful and potent church for Jesus Christ and for his kingdom. So we need to not only cultivate unity, which by the way, this is an extremely unified church, praise the Lord for it, but let's not sit back and say, well, you're, we're a unified church, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh-uh, we guard the unity. We cultivate it and we guard it. We make sure that there's no division so that we can continue to be a powerfully effective uh, body of believers for God's glory, corporately and individually for God's kingdom. So what gift has God given you that can help cultivate unity in the church and to guard the unity in the church? Or you have some great people skills. Maybe you have a way of kind of helping people to, 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 to make a pe- be a peacemaker and, you know, and to kind of make sure people reason together. That's a great skill that we need, not only in the church, but in our families, in our workplaces, in our nation. And God wants to use you in that way, because he's given you that tool out of his toolbox to use for his glory in that way. Third thing, in verse 13 as well, it says that we're called to develop maturity in the church. To develop maturity. Now church, many of us need to grow up. But many of us are, are, are growing up and we're doing well. And what do we do when we grow up? Physically, when we grow up, we're not dependent on mommy and daddy anymore. If you're still living at home in the basement and you're 25 years old, it's time to move out, get a job. You guys okay, really? 
We need to grow up. Grow up. And when we grow up, we get married, we reproduce, do we not? A healthy body reproduces. A healthy body is not dependent on somebody else to feed them. But I'm going to be a self-feeder. I mean, my mommy and daddy, I, I love my mommy and my daddy. Hi, mommy, daddy. But I don't call you mommy, daddy anymore, right? Mom and dad. I don't come over, would you feed me today? I'm hungry. What? No. I know how to eat. They taught me well, right? Now I go to my wife and say, would you feed me? I'm hungry. <laughs> but you know, I can eat. I don't need people to tell me how to live my life anymore to make sure I'm safe and doing the right things. I'm grown up. You know, I'm reproducing. I'm taking care of that that God has given me physically. Spiritually, we need to do the same thing. I mean, don't come in and say, Pastor, would you feed me? I'm so hungry. What you been doing all week? Feed yourself. Grow up. The only meal I get is on Sunday morning. Well, God bless you. You wouldn't do that physically. I bet you eat every day, don't you? Yeah, sometimes three times a day. How about let's spiritually do the same thing? Let's be self-feeders. Write that down. I need to be a self-feeder. But see, not just for us, but we're developing maturity so that we can help others along. Maybe we're a teacher. Maybe we're, being a, maybe we're leading a Life Together group. Or maybe some other way that we're encouraging people along. You don't need to walk in that anger and unforgiveness anymore. Let me tell you what God did for me and how he delivered me. You don't need to live in that addiction anymore. Let me tell you what God did for me. You see, we're growing up. Whatever it is that God has brought you through is not for your benefit. It's for his benefit. It's for others' benefits. If, you, if the Lord has brought you through something, it's so that you can not just boast and say, man, I made it. It's like, let me tell you how God helped me. Because you didn't make it. God helped you to make it. He's the one that brought you through. And so we point people to others saying, hey, I don't know how I did this, but God did it through me. And he can do the same for you because he's no respecter of persons. We help to develop maturity in the church. God needs you to take that maturity and not just say, I wish somebody else would do it. But that you would say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, coach, put me in, right? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. What talents do you have that can promote spiritual maturity in the church? If you have something that, and this is not even an official thing. All right, pastor, sign me up. I'm going to be a teacher. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to get recruits here for anything, for the church. I'm trying to get recruits for the big C church, for Jesus, okay? And so you can do this at your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, at your home, wherever you go. That that God has equipped you with is not just for the four walls of the church inside here, but it's throughout our lives 24-7. To take that 24-7 that God has given us of time and overlay it with the talents, and we use it throughout our lives throughout every day to help people mature in their understanding of who Jesus is, meet them at their point of understanding, and bring them to the foot of the cross. What talents do you have that can promote spiritual maturity? Fourth. We are called to increase in verse 16. It says, through all that, as, 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 as an end result, we increase. As I said earlier, a healthy body grows. Too many spiritual wombs are barren. Remember, we could go Friday, for those of you who watched the Facebook Live uh, broadcast that I did every night. I pretty much devoted the whole Friday night to spiritual uh, reproduction. That we would have a, a, a fruitful 
spiritual womb rather than a barren spiritual womb. And I don't believe this statistic. Uh, I mean, maybe I do, but it's hard to believe. Let's put it that way. There's roughly, not quite, eight, roughly 8 billion people that live on this earth. And 2.5, over 2.5 billion of those people uh, profess Jesus Christ. They are Christians. Let's put it that way. They identify as a Christian. Now, whether they're walking it out, whether they're vibrant in their walk with the Lord, man, I would think if, if all 2.5 billion of the people that say they're Christians would tell two people about Jesus, I mean, not just witness like Jesus loves you, but let me say the sinner's prayer with you. Let me lead you to Jesus Christ right now and let's get you saved. If we, as a 2.5 billion people in this world, would tell two people about Jesus, the whole world would be saved this year. If we would just lead two people to the Lord this year, Think about it. The person to your left or the person to your right. That's all you got to do. Start with two and go from there. But instead of waiting for the pastor to do it or waiting for the evangelist to do it or waiting for the missionary to do it or waiting for the people that whatever, listen, God has called each of us to share and to witness Jesus Christ. We are all his mouthpiece. And so uh, part of reproducing is simply just to say, I'm not just going to maintain my Christianity, but I want this womb of mine, this spiritual womb to pop out a couple of babies this year, you know? I want some babies for Jesus. I, I want to see the church grow, right? I want to see people get saved so that they can go to heaven. I want to see people saved so that they can experience a life to the full that Jesus has for them on this earth. I want to see them get saved so that they can use their talents and abilities for God's glory and not their own. We're called to reproduce. And too many spiritually are barren in the church. God has called us to increase in number, and he's called us to increase in our impact for his kingdom. He not only expects it, he commands it. And that's hard for us to embrace. Oh, Jesus is commanding it? You bet he has. He's, it's, this is not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do we take it seriously? If not, we should. What giftings has the Lord placed in you to help expand the, not only expand the church, but also expand the impact of the church and help it to grow? So we do works of service. We cultivate unity. We develop maturity and we bring increase. You see it, by the way, again, how all these things, not one iota, does it, is it about us? All that I just listed is all about God. It's nothing to do with our kingdom, and it's everything to do with his kingdom. Our flesh sees no benefit to this, by the way. Demas saw no benefit to that. He said, look what I'm doing. I'm hanging around with these smelly old guys, walking around in the, you know, the dirty parts of the, of the backside of the you know, countryside. And for what? So this guy's offering me a job right here. This, this guy's offering me a, a nice cushy place to live and a nice position and all that. I think I'm going to do that. I re, I'd rather live that way because I really like the comfort. I like the notoriety. I like that. That's, whatever Demas did, he, he took off. Don't do what Demas did. Don't do what those singers that I listed a few moments ago did. All of those decisions are to their demise. Instead, church, let's be like Luke. Let's engage our gifts for God's glory and let's take the challenge that was given to Archie. Take heed to the ministry given to you and fulfill it. Complete it. Start strong. Be strong in the journey and finish strong for God's glory. That's being a good steward of the talents that God has placed in your care. I can't tell you what talents you have, nor can I tell you how to use them, but the Holy Spirit can and will if you ask him. And then he'll give you opportunity. And then you can be fruitful. 
We're not to misengage those talents for our glory, but we're to engage them for God's glory. I want to leave you with three final thoughts, three poems that I want to read to you. And if you will, just listen to this. This is by a lady named Annie Flint, and she wrote this poem. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men his way. He has no tongues but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. He wants to use us and our abilities for his glory. Another one by the great pastor John Wesley wrote this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. And finally, this one by a poet named Edward Hale. I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, By the grace of God, I shall do. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, I thank you that today, ministry is not just for people with a reverend in front of their names. Ministry is not just for people who can play and sing. Ministry is not just for somebody who's been called to a foreign mission field. Ministry is not for just those people that are wired in such a way that can go out, have the personalities to witness on the streets and all of that. Ministry is not for people that are in those traditional categories of ministry. Ministry, Lord, I thank you today that ministry is for all of us. When you called us, Jesus, to go into the harvest field for the laborers are few, but the harvest is plenteous, you didn't qualify that by saying, as long as you go to Bible school, as long as you have a reverend in front of your name, as long as you can sing or play an instrument. You told that to all of us. Now, Lord, in this toolbox that you have, and you've extracted those tools and you've inserted them into our lives as a natural part of our DNA. We were just born with them. We naturally gravitated towards those things that we're just passionate about. That's your gift to us. That you've that you expect us to steward for your glory. Now we've taken a huge step, Lord, by saying, Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my Lord. I believe in you. I've accepted you into my life. I'm a born-again believer. If we've taken that step today and we're here today, man, we are 95% there. But Lord, this other 5% is what we're struggling with, how to connect that dot. It feels like a giant leap to us. How do we do this? But Lord, I thank you by your Holy Spirit, you're going to show us. And that, that, you, that leap is that it's not really a leap, it's just a step because you're going to provide the way where there seems to be no way. You're going to make it obvious to us. You're going to just order our steps in those particular directions that the talents and the giftings that you've given us, that we know. I mean, we just know what they are. In our minds, we're thinking of it right now. It's what we do for a living, maybe. or It's what we do as a hobby. It's just what we're naturally gifted and inclined to do. Those things. And we think, well, everybody's like that. No, Lord, not everybody's like how we are. We're all unique fearfully and wonderfully made we're all 
designed by you specifically for purposes to glorify you and the talents and the giftings out of your toolbox have been given to us not to use for our glory but for yours so Lord now that we know that we have these talents and we're not sure how to traditionally apply them in the church setting how can we apply them for the kingdom of God Show us what that looks like. Holy Spirit, show us what that looks like. That's the other 5%. We don't know what to do and how to do it, but show us, Lord. We thank you for those talents that you've given us. And yeah, we've used them for our glory and our benefit. We've maybe leaned over a little more like Demas and less like Luke. Forgive us for that, Lord. Lord, we repent of that today. Now that we've been made aware that those talents are for your glory, we are now responsible to steward them for your glory because from here on out, if we don't, we're going to be held accountable to that one day when we stand before you. Help us, Father God, to not be held accountable in a bad way, but to be held accountable in a good way where we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that the talents and the giftings that you've given us have been used to promote and advance your kingdom, Lord Jesus. That's what we desire. So we thank you for the talents that you've stewarded into our care. Now, Lord, you own those things. Those talents don't belong to us, and we're not going to prostitute them anymore for our gain. But we're going to give them back to you because you're calling us up. You're calling us up to bat. You're drawing us up to to the things. You're saying, all right, here's the talents. Now use them for my glory going forward from here on out. Lord, We make that commitment to you today. That those talents and giftings that you've given us, by your Holy Spirit revealing to us how to apply them, we will apply them for your kingdom, for your glory, for the things that are eternal and not the things that are temporary. For your kingdom and not ours. For your gain and not ours. For your glory and not ours. Help us, Father, to be like Luke. All those talents that he had, gave them to you, and he finished strong. Lord, I pray that not one of us in here would be like Demas, who would know the truth, walk in the truth, and then abandon the truth and desert you. Father, I pray against that spirit of Demas that would, dis- that would draw us away, that we, would, that we would hate this world and the things of this world that have to offer. Lord, we're to love the people of the world. We're to love the souls of this world, but we're not to love the systems of this world. We're not to love the, the draw of this world. So Father, help us to just get sick to our stomach and, and, and reject the things of this world. Every time that, we're, that, we're, that, we're, that is dangled in front of us, Lord, help us from this moment on to get nauseous, sick to our stomach spiritually, to say, no, that has no appeal to me. That has no taste for me. Instead, Lord God, help us to be drawn to the things of your kingdom. To not be drawn to the things of this world, that we wouldn't love the world more than we love you. But that we would love you and that we would love you like you love the world because you love the world so much that you gave. You love the world so much that you gave your son. You love the world so much, Jesus, that you gave your life. Help us also to do the same. Help us to love the world only in the way that we give of our time, of our talent, and of our treasure to the things of your kingdom. With every eye closed and head bowed, and if you're watching this from home, I want to invite you. If maybe you're saying, well, hey, I, I, I have been like Demas, and I have, I actually, I've actually backslid. backslid. I, I'm a Christian in name only, but I'm not living it out. I, I'm, I'm playing the role, but I'm a hypocrite. I'm an imposter. 
And today, I just want to renew my life. I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you today, then I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to say a prayer with me. If you've never given your life to the Lord, you know about Jesus, maybe you're raised in church, you've heard about him, but you've never made that commitment. Today's your day. What a great day to give your life to the Lord. You know what's a good day to give your life to the Lord? Every day. (laughs) Every day's a good day. Every day's the best day. And today's your day. So with every eye closed and head bowed, nobody looking around, just say, Pastor, that's me. I I need Jesus in my life. For whatever reason, uh, wherever you are right now, just say, Lord, uh, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm going to recommit my life to him. Uh, I'm going to commit my life to him for the first time. Uh, I'm not going to be like Demas anymore. I want to be like Luke. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is that you today? Just lift up your hand. We'll pray a prayer. Yeah. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? You can put it back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Man, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand back there. Anybody else? Christian, just pray. Just pray. Souls are hanging in the balance. This is good. Holy Spirit's doing the work. Yeah, anybody else? Just wave and make sure I see it. Some of you are seated. Some of you, I can't tell if you're raising your hand or not, so just make sure I see it. Anybody else? Quickly. Anybody else? Quickly, quickly. All right. I want us to all pray this prayer out loud whether you raise your hand or not. The Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God's son, you'll be saved. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins. I choose today to now die to myself and to let you live in me. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now come live in my heart and be my Savior, and be my Lord. I choose to serve you from this day on. Now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me, empower me, equip me to bring glory to the name of Jesus in everything I say, in everything I do, and in everything I think. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. I thank you, Jesus, for bringing salvation to those here that made that decision. Now, one more time, just every eye closed and head bowed. If the Lord is calling you to give your talents to the Lord, if this today has been something that has impacted your life, I want you to just as a sign of surrender to the Lord with both hands raised, say, Jesus, I surrender the talents that you've given me today for your glory. Just lift up both hands as a sign of surrender. Say, Jesus, the talents that you've given me, I now give them to you. I will not use them for my kingdom anymore, for my advancement anymore. I give them to you. I yield to you. I surrender. Keep your hands raised. Just keep them up. Don't don't just raise them and put them back down because we're going to do an act of surrender. We're going to do a prayer of surrender right now. Everybody in this place, if you just, whether, whether, whether or not your hands are raised or not from that particular request if you want to give your talents to the Lord Jesus Christ afresh and new today then lift both hands right now we're going to just do a, a prayer of surrender Jesus Every talent that you've given me, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that that I'm giving it back to you. All the things that you've placed in my care out of your toolbox, I give to you. I'm not going to use them for my glory anymore. I'm not going to use them for my benefit anymore. As a sign of surrender, I raise both hands and I surrender to you. I surrender to you my life, my talents, my abilities, my giftings. They're yours anyway. I surrender those things back to you. Use them as you see fit, Lord God, for your glory, for your kingdom purposes from this day on and I thank you for that in Jesus name 
And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we take the time, we overlay the talent. Next week, we're going to look at treasure and the different things of what that is. And it's not just money, but we're going to talk a little bit about what treasure is all about and how we can take those things that God has placed in our care and use them for God's glory. Do you love Jesus this morning? Are you thankful that he's given you something to do? You have something to do. Before we leave here today, I'm going to have you turn to one or two people and just say, God has put something in your life to use for him. And reinforce that. Just however that conversation wants to go from there. But just make sure you say, God has given something to you to use for his glory. That's a talent. Just go ahead and tell someone. Witness to them. I'll tell you at home as well. God is giving something to you to use for God's glory. We'll see you next Sunday, 10 o'clock, 9.55. Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us next week as we continue to learn from God's word and apply it to our lives. We'll be right back.